Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is a technologist, activist, educator, and entrepreneur who dropped his corporate career to work on meaningful social movements. His company, Above Agency, recently released Above Phone, a completely privacy phone solution that combines secure hardware, open source operating systems, and cutting edge privacy services. Please welcome to the show, Romero Romani. Romero, how are you? Mikkel, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Pleasure is all mine. I am really excited about today's conversation. And I actually have one of your phones in front of me because this is how this happened. I was looking for a privacy phone and I was actually listening to one of my favorite shows by a previous guest on here. And he was talking about the phone. So I immediately went out and bought the phone. And then afterwards, I was like, I wonder if I could get these guys on the podcast because this is so cool. So I guess I want to kind of start today's conversation by just learning a little bit about you, a bit about your background, and then how you decided to create Above Phone. Like, how did you get into this industry? Yeah, sure. So a little bit about me. In a a past life, I'd like to say, I was a software engineer. So I've worked on websites, I've worked on web applications, I've worked on mobile applications, and I was very ambitious. So I would hop around from a lot of different companies. I worked on really small teams and really big teams. It's kind of funny what software engineers believe. They look up to big companies like Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. You know, they call them Fang. They're like, oh, I want to work there one day. So that's what I thought I'd wanted to do. But over time, I got more exposed to activism thanks to my friend uh, Derek Bros, and I started working with him. And it became more clear to me over time, like, wow, like all these big technology companies are part of the problem. And they treat their customers and users like we're in an abusive relationship with them. And I, so I, as I got to see this over time, I'm like, wow, the people who need the most help out of their technology are the people speaking truth, the ones who aren't afraid to stand out and say something. And so I started shifting my priority and dedicating myself to saying, all right, how can we build systems outside of their grasp? I mean, technology is such an important part of our work. If you're listening to this right now, you're listening to it over the internet, thankfully, because Mikkel puts the hard work in creating an awesome looking website and podcast for you. So that was my hope. Can we bring back heart to our technology? So did you start working for big tech and then kind of found the light or you just kind of saw into it and then turned your back as soon as you realized like really what big tech was doing? 
Yeah, I, I would say I definitely worked for big tech for a few years, you know, and I didn't stay too long at any one company, but I got to see how they handled things behind the scenes. And it was not, yeah, after a certain point, there wasn't care put into their customers' data. And like, I could share some bad stories, but that's not the focus of today. So yeah, like what ended up happening was when COVID happened, that was really the mark for me, right? I was working in New York City at the time at a really successful startup. And uh, I went to the store and there was no food on the shelves. Like literally, like I ate beans for (laughs) several days. And then I was like, all right, well, you know, our supply chain is in shock. I don't really want to be doing this. My heart's not in this. I don't feel like I'm contributing to humanity. And I took a really crazy leap at the behest of my family. They're like, what are you doing? I uh, quit my job moved back home and started doing activism full-time, seeing how I could help movements like the Freedom Cell Network grow farther. And, you know, I took, I mean, I sacrificed a lot, gave up that salary to do this. And I wasn't, I had no idea how it was going to work out, but I ended up finding and carving my niche out into building people's solutions. So in 2021, uh, we launched Above Agency. We started doing tech consulting that went pretty well. And then we launched our product above phone, which is now just, it took a year, but now it's been really taking off and spreading through word of mouth. So yeah, really excited to share more about that with with you all today. Well, I think that we have a lot of mutual friends because John Bush has been on the program to talk about freedom cells before and come on my conferences. I think we have quite a few friends because when we were talking on the phone, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, you were in Mexico and you were having a big conference going on. And I know a lot of the speakers were there. And hopefully at some point, I'll be able to come down and and meet you guys in person for one of those big events. Most definitely. Yeah. You are referring to the Greater Reset, which uh, myself, John Bush and Derek Bros, we all collaborate on. And that's a funny story. Uh, Originally, you know, we wanted to make an additional website for the Freedom Soul Network. And Derek was like, no, 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 let's do a conference. And I was like, all right, let's do a conference. So that's been going on for two years and happening in Texas and Mexico. I'm sure you already have talked about the details with John, but it's being a part of that community that really got me to stand up and speak out and, and share my gifts. So we're finding each other now, you know, we're finding each other and the movements never look brighter. Absolutely. So let's dig into the phone itself because I am a user of technology, but I am not a software engineer or anything in any stretch of the imagination. It seems to me that's quite quickly. If you only started this project a few years ago, to be able to actually come up with a viable solution in such a short time. Can you maybe explain to me how that happened or, you know, some of the help that you got to make this actually work? We've gotten help from thousands and thousands of developers. Amazing. (laughs) So yeah, this is, I always like to be transparent about what this is. So this is a de-Googled phone. We didn't write the software for the operating system. We didn't write the software for the apps. We did combine it all together and make a nice integration But we're counting on the work. We're standing on the shoulders of the free and open source software movement or the open source software movement. And so it used to be like five or six years ago, you'd have alternative operating systems just to give some background, right? When you go and get a phone, you have to choose between Google or Apple. And that's not just you. That is this. We have almost 7 billion phones on Earth. So just putting that into scale for a second, all 7 billion people get to choose between Google and Apple. And it was that way for a very long time, except for maybe the past three to four years when alternative operating systems, which what they did was they used Google's Android platform and which has an open source base, which basically means, oh, this code is transparent. 
and you can take it and you can modify it and you can distribute it how you wish. So they took that open source base and they started adding their own features on it. And bit by bit, it actually became competitive. Now today, you can use one of these phones and it can replace your existing phone. So having that, like internally, we were researching for six months because you know we have designers, developers, and creatives. This is back when we were like a creative agency and consultants. All right, how can we stay in touch and actually have secure communications over, you know, from the United States to the Netherlands and Mexico and Portugal, where all of our people were? And we ended up finding these de-Googled operating systems. We find it, we found new ways to communicate and we found new apps that would replace everything we were used to doing on our existing phones. And then one day we should be selling this as a package. And so that button above phone was born. You know, I probably should have started the conversation a little bit one step back on why we need a privacy phone. I would assume that pretty much Everybody on my audience already understands the reason why, but maybe without going into too much story, not because I don't think it's important, but because just for the length of time, and I assume everybody knows, but maybe just like a one minute, two minute, why do we need a privacy phone? Yeah, totally. I mean, this is one of the questions we get out of the box. Like people don't understand like, well, how does this impact me really? And I'll make a long and short of it. Traditional phones and traditional technology, for that matter, I always call them abusive software services. Why? Because it's like having an abusive boyfriend or girlfriend. They lie to you. They take advantage of you. They're constantly surveilling you just to get as much information as possible. And they're gaslighting you for you know things that you did. And all the, the entire time, you're the one who paid for the phone. You're paying for the service. You're paying for the software in certain cases. And before we even launched this phone, I did a really deep dive into investigating how phone tracking works. So I'll just briefly mention kind of the three different parts. And then I'll also mention real world cases where people's lives were changed forever because of these abusive software services. So in our research, we found there was tracking in the operating system, right? Like the core of the phone. There's tracking in the applications that we use. So to give you some examples, Apple will get the MAC addresses of all the devices on your home network if you enable location. So it will send the devices on your home network along with your location off to Apple. Now, why would they need the devices on your network? So it's little things like this. They're collecting your phone number, they're connecting back to Google and Apple every five minutes. That's been observed by independent studies. And uh, they're just gathering this massive amount of data, which comes out to like unique identifiers, like hardware identifiers to your phone so that they can track you in pretty much everywhere, not just your phone, but through the web browser. And this usually happens through being signed into one of those phones. So one difference with our phone is you don't have to sign in into any accounts in order to use it, right? So that's one difference. So there's the operating system, there's the applications, which on average, an application on the Google Play Store has up to five different trackers. That's five different companies that are all analyzing what you're doing and also collecting their own independent logs. And I know as a mobile app developer that they kind of pressure, um, you know, mobile app developers need to make money. This is the easiest way to do it. When I was making apps, this is what was pushed onto me. So I know how easy it was to just sign up and you get kind of money in the back pocket, they get to analyze your users. It's all connected through that account that they sign in with for the phone. And it's also used for advertising on the phone, right? 
you might wonder, all right, how do I start speaking about something and then I get the ad on my phone? Well, were you speaking about it? Were you typing it into an app on your phone? Were you using it to a web browser? Because all of that is being collected and funneled and analyzed so that they can make this highly optimized advertising system. So yeah, there's the operating system, there's the apps, and lastly, there's the cellular networks, which I think we'll get into later in our conversation. But you have to know that no phone calls and texts are private. And at least in the United States, companies, telecoms are obligated to have a backdoor to the government, right? So the philosophy there is to leave the cell networks. Don't use phone calls and texts. I know this is going to take a really long time, but you know we're starting there. So we'll get into more of that. But there are also real world cases where your life can change simply because you chose to opt into one of these abusive software systems. Case of one man in the United States in Arizona. His name was Jorge Molina. And he got picked up into Google's Sensor Vault program. Sensor Vault is a database of anyone who's using Google Maps. It could be on a Google phone with Google location services. It could also be on your iPhone. You're not safe if you're using iPhone and you're using Google Maps. You're automatically added on to this database. And what this database is, is the geo, it's called a geolocation database used for geofence warrants where law enforcement can pick pick a day and a time and a location, and they can get all the phones that show up in that area. And typically they use this when they run into dead ends with investigations, but the popularity of this has blasted off in the past couple of years since 2017, I believe, started really been taking off. So in this case, in Jorge's case, he let his friend borrow a phone and it got picked up in a sensor vault warrant and it showed up in a murder case. So this phone was at the scene of a murder. So Jorge got arrested. He lost his job. He got kicked out of school. He lost his girlfriend. He had an alibi. He had an alibi the whole time. So even though he presented this alibi, the investigators were so sure that Sensor Vault's data couldn't be faulty that they just went there. And it took a very long time for Jorge to be reinstated and cleared. Turned out that he had let his friend borrow a phone and it showed up at the scene of a crime. So that's just one example. I have others. I'll, ju I'll just say this one really briefly, and then we could talk about something else. There is another man in the United States. He was getting some care for his son. He had this rash on his genitals, and this was during COVID-19, so he couldn't go in and see a doctor. So his doctor's like, all right, hey, send me a picture so I can see what's up. So this man, he uses Google Photos. So he took a picture on Google Photos of that, and Google locked him out of his accounts is straight up immediately. I mean, because they're scanning his photos through artificial intelligence for uh, abuse material. And it picked that up. And so it locked him out of all of his accounts. It closed his Gmail accounts. He was trying to close on a house. So he got locked out of that completely for a few weeks. He would talk to Google. They would not respond. And they automatically reported him to the Natural Center of Missing and Exploited Children. So all of that happened automatically, right? And that's family. That's his family business. Google doesn't need to insert itself into that, but the direction these big tech companies are going, they're more than happy to be the pathway where your data gets used against you with whatever the laws are changing are at the time. So right now, that was COVID and Google and Apple definitely ha and happily went along with that. So it's just, you, you know, you have to watch yourself. Why would I put all my eggs in the baskets of these companies that are working against me and just being abusive? Absolutely. And, you know, the story in the past was, oh, they're using this data so that they can show it to marketers so that the, the advertisements are things that you're actually going to be interested in. And I think 
a lot of us believed that for a long time. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. There's a lot more sinister stuff going on than putting the right widget in front of me on Facebook or something like that in my feed. There's some other really dodgy things that are going on with a lot of this data that's being used. So I think that we'll kind of leave the conversation there on the reasons why. Let's just make an assumption for the rest of the conversation that it is very much needed that privacy is important and that we deserve and privacy is a human right. We have gone over it. I've had Gabriel Custodian on the show where we've had an entire 60-minute conversation just about the philosophics of privacy and, and reasons why. But I want to get into the phone itself. And I guess my first question on this front, and this one is honestly very surprising for me. It is a privacy phone, which is built on Google. Like it is an actual Google phone. Can you Explain to me how this works out of or out of all of the phone models that you could choose to build a phone on that you're actually using the devil to create something else. Like, it's interesting for me. Yeah, no, that's a spot on question. We get that one all the time. So, I mean, first, acknowledge that it is ironic. So remember when I talked about three layers of tracking, there was the operating system, there was the apps, and there was telecom. Well, Using these Google devices, it's Google hardware, they're Google Pixels, you know that the hardware is Google. So why was Google chosen by these alternative operating system developers? Well, they have a few reasons. One is because creating firmware and drivers for components on a phone is very difficult. Things have to be regularly updated, like security updates, firmware updates, and they need reliable updates in order to produce a phone. It's a really massive undertaking to produce a phone yourself. So the developers of these alternative operating systems didn't want to or just are unable to produce the device and firmware updates themselves. So they need to piggyback off of a larger company like Google. And what they do is they control the operating system, right? Which is kind of like the higher level software on the phone. And if you observe that software, you see that there are zero connections being made to Google. So they need these regular security updates that are for the lower levels of the phone. And once these are released, they choose what updates are applicable and implement those on the phone in a timely fashion because You need to update, you know, you need to have security updates happen quickly after the vulnerabilities are announced. So that's why Google was kind of chosen. And then there's more other reasons that the Pixel phone was chosen specifically. There is one thing that Google gets right. It is their security, which is why these phones were chosen. It's also because these alternative operating systems are best supported on Google hardware, right? It makes sense. The creators of the Android operating system have the phones that work the best on them. Other phones, they, you know, they can have stability issues, they don't work as fast, all this kind of stuff. So the developers of the operating systems, Graphene OS, uh, wisely chose in their case to go off of these phones. Now, am I saying that this phone is going to make you 100% protected from backdoors or from the NSA or from other intelligence agencies? No, no way am I ever going to say that. And anyone who does say that is just being very irresponsible. And they don't know the truth to that. No one does for that matter. The other thing I'll say is when it comes to the hardware on the phone, there's no company on this earth that doesn't have protected proprietary hardware on the phone, just like Google does. So whatever phone company you're looking at, you're not going to find a phone with a modem that is open source. So that's you know a threat that we all have to deal with. What we are focusing on are these three observable layers that we can say, hey, 
there was tracking, you know, using a traditional phone. And then when we look at one of these alternative operating systems, we can look at it and say, all right, now there isn't any tracking. There aren't being any connections made to Google. And my hope with this is this isn't going to, again, it may not, it may make it harder for intelligence agencies to find you. But again, nothing is 100% certain there. But what it does do is it makes it much, much harder to tie you into this global analytics system that everyone else is on. Now, there's one thing I've learned about these companies is that they're lazy and they require easy ways to on-ramp, uh, get an inflow of your data. So that's why they use these operating systems. That's why they use these social media networks to have identifiers that are tied to your identity. And so the data flows up upwards in a very streamlined way. Now, when you choose to opt out of these systems, you break that link for them. You stop feeding into their database. And now they have to work that much harder to go outside of the box, to go outside of their ecosystem, to gather information on you. And that's the hope here as more and more people start opting out of their system, they have to work so hard. Like imagine the type of person, the hardware engineer that gets tasked with backdooring into someone's phone. That is not a cheap job. You know, this guy is being paid through hundreds of thousands of dollars. And let's say that he backdoors into your phone. And what does he find? He finds that you're trading eggs for milk or you're having a dinner at your house. <laughs> what a waste yeah. of time. So when enough people are on this system, there's not going to be a point for them to crack into anyone's phone. It's not going to be worth their time. That's the vision. That's the goal is to get everyone onto these sovereign solutions. No, it does make sense. It does make sense. It's just so counterintuitive at the very beginning to see a Google Pixel phone being used as the medium to kind of fight back against a lot of this technocracy that's happening. I'm happy with the answer, but it's just, it's it's still... There's, there's not, it's not ideal, right? We're always looking for better and better. And Linux phones is something that we're paying attention to. We've been using since they become became pretty popular. I'm sure some of you have heard of the Pine phone, which is supposed to be a phone that runs Linux. And um, yeah, a lot of those components are uh, independently produced. However, if you've used the iPine phone, you know, it's not a, like a friendly experience at all. So, you know, this is something that we were evaluating when we were creating this phone. Should we do Linux phones? Should we do Android phones? And it was so much of a headache, even for us at this time, that we went with these de-Googled Android phones. I believe in Linux phones. I'm totally looking to other developers who are creating their own phones and components, but the experience isn't there yet. And my goal is to get you, it's to give you the Pareto principle. I want you to get you 80% of your privacy while still having all the functionality you need and it being really easy. So yeah, this is, this is the phone that's going to do it for you. Well, it does make sense to me because I've been in this space for many, many years. I have had many colleagues who are software engineers and very into technology, and they have tried every single different privacy phone that has been on the market. And I will be out having a barbecue or, you know, they'll show us, well, how is it? They're like, terrible. It doesn't work. It just like, it just freezes in the middle of nowhere and nothing works together and it just doesn't function. And we all laugh about it, you know, but we keep trying to support and piece by piece by piece. And then I started to hear about the above phone and I'm like, how is it? And they're like, it's awesome. It works. And then from someone else, ah, it works. And then I hear my friend who's a podcaster at Geopolitics and Empire and he's got it. And it's like, it's like piece by piece by piece. And I'm like, it really works. I'm like, all right, I'm trying it. I got it last month and I've played around with it and I've used it. And there's been no crashes. It doesn't freeze up. Like it's, 
it actually functions. That's the book. And so, as you said, was, you know, it's the point is to get us closer to freedom. If we're always looking for or waiting for perfect, like I'm somewhere, I'm sure someone is going to listen to this episode and said, well, what about this one little thing? And because of that, I'm not going to get it. But at the same time, they're on an iPhone or a Samsung or something like that. And they're sharing every piece of data and they've got Instagram and Facebook and all of these other abusive social media apps on their phone. And it's like, because you're waiting for perfection, you're not going to even do anything that's going to help you get closer. Yeah. No, thank you for mentioning that. One thing is like about the mindset too. It's a lot of personal choice. Like, you know, you're going to be asked, like, you know, what choice do you want to make? And so a lot of people, they want a privacy phone, but trust me, they're not ready for it because like even this phone, it doesn't make you sacrifice much, but are you ready to get rid of your social media accounts? You know, those are all going to require Google services. You know, those definitely not work on a Linux phone. They do work on our phone with some adaptations, but yeah, you totally nailed it. It's a process. Well, I find the same thing in my business. So my main business is helping people to either move overseas or set up plan Bs, you know, residencies, citizenships, dealing with the tax situation and things like that. And I will have people come to me or ask questions and they're like, well, look at this one thing that's happening in this country or in that country. And it's not perfect. I'm like, all right, but you still live in California. Like, how can you make any comment to me about not having a perfect country out there, or I'm talking about Panama or Uruguay or something like that. I'm like, well, it's a whole hell of a lot better than where you are right now. So let's try to move the ball downfield. Let's try to get a little bit more freedom. And then let's stack onto that, that, you know, piece by piece by piece by piece. But if you're always waiting for Shangri-La, you're never going to have it and you're not going to get anywhere. So it's just, I just find it frustrating sometimes. No, man, I like that. You you definitely nailed it. And I think I think that one thing that is good is like we can focus on what do you gain? You know, I always I kind of have to do it just to give people the context, but I dislike selling from a place of fear. This should not be like, oh, I'm super scared of what they're gonna do to me. So I'm going to this. No, this is about the freedom you gain from doing this, right? Have you ever wanted a phone without ads? I can't even remember the last time I've seen an ad. And like that feels so, so good to me feels good not to pay for any of the software on my phone. Yeah, it feels good to not have to sign in to any of this, right? So it's like there are so many good parts that are going to improve uh, improve your life, improve your relationship with your technology, not getting blasted by social media notifications all the time. So like, you know, also think about that. There are benefits and we've been doing monthly webinars on learn.abovephone.com, right? It just starts with the phone. We're trying to build a whole ecosystem. We're working on our own laptops. We're working on having our own cloud storage. So we are going to build this massive ecosystem. But like you said, it takes one step at a time. But what I wanted to say about the webinars was it's really cool. It's like a change in philosophy where I like liken it to it's kind of like growing your own food. One, we're shortening our supply chain from our food, bringing it closer to home. We're getting like direct relationships with the people who make our software. And then two, we're actually like owning our own data. So even if the Internet goes down, doesn't matter. I already have what I want on my device. Well, it's interesting Right before you and I jumped on today's conversation, I had my board meeting for 1018, which is the nonprofit I sit on the the board of directors for. And we were talking about the marketing strategy and growing the nonprofit. And one of the things that we noticed 
was that all of the marketing and the work that we do, it's not based on guilt or fear or anything like that. Traditionally with charities and nonprofits, it's always to make you feel bad about everything. But all of our marketing is like happy stories about how it's actually making a difference in someone's life. Like we're not trying to solve every single problem in the world. What we're trying to do is help individual people's lives and then showcase those stories. And it's the same thing I'm doing in my work. I'm not spending all day long reading about the WHO and reading about WEF and all of these types of things and, you know, going down these rabbit holes and stressing myself out. I'm a very positive person. I'm so focused on solutions. You know, I know that there's evil out there in the world. I know that there's bad things out there in the world. I don't need to spend all my energy learning more about how bad it is. Let's figure out the solutions. And that's why I'm such a fan of your work, because I think it's so important because this is a solution. It is an actual solution that is available right now today to get you a whole lot closer to freedom, to having sovereignty over your own data, your communication, your family. I mean. That's amazing. Like that's these are the types of projects people that we really need to support. Thank you, Mikael. Yeah, and and real recognize real. And I know we have a special offer for the listeners today, which we'll we'll get into too. And yeah, this is available right now, and we ship anywhere in the world. So you know, if you guys have been thinking about taking the jump, but just not sure if you can actually hop over to this, I, I encourage you. You can. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee that we honor. Sometimes we go past that for people if they need more time to get accustomed to it. We also, we have the the price of the phone. We bake in support, right? So it's weird. They're here 24-7, email or chat. And then we also have a one-hour call with anyone who decides to get the phone where we, hey, we take your old phone, we take your new phone, we talk about what you need, and then we help you migrate everything. So, you know, that's what it takes, people helping people. So yeah, I'm super enthused to be, to get into that, all that today. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. And actually, why don't you go ahead and plug the URL of the website? And so everybody knows Ramiro has been very generous today, and he is actually going to give you guys a coupon code if you guys are interested in a privacy phone. I think it's, what, $50 off for anyone of my audience who decides that they want to pick up a phone. That's right. 50 bucks off. And it also helps support the Expat Money Show. So yeah, abundance for everyone. And you can go to abovephone.com. And uh, Mikhail, I don't have the coupon code in front of me, but if you want to... I wrote it down. It is expat privacy. It's all one word, expat privacy. So I assume at checkout, it's the coupon code. There should be a little section on there. I haven't tested it, but I assume it works perfectly. Expat privacy, and that's going to give you 50 bucks off your phone. And I am a client and a customer of yours. So this is how this started. So if that is not a recommendation from my side, I don't know what is. Yes. And so when you get on the site, you'll you'll see one. I'll just point out a few things to you. We have uh, we have our webinar sign up. So definitely you can check that out. But we've got our products on the top and you can look through all of our phones. They range from 500 to over a thousand bucks, depending on you know what you're looking for. And if you need any help at any point, you can always just contact us. There's a little contact thing in the navigation bar. And there's also a learn more button on the front page. So that kind of explains a lot of what I was talking through today. You can even uh, get a, um, a PDF guide mailed to you on kind of what the differences are between old phones and these uh, these new ways of, of using it. So yeah, just feel free to reach out with any questions you have and to check out the site. And we're here. And what's the URL? The URL is abovephone.com. Nice and easy. 
Super exciting news. We just released our first in a series of expat guidebooks. These are in-depth country guides on how to move to another country, and the first one released is Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico. It took us over two years to compile all the research and write this book on Mexico, and coming in at 475 pages, you can really see how much work has gone into this. It's a complete guide on everything you need to know if you want to move to Mexico, including where to live, immigration, taxes, lifestyle, buying property, how to get a driver's license, and a million other things you would never think you need the answers to. You can find the book directly on Amazon by searching for Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico or go to expatguidebooks.com, which will take you to our online shop where you will find the book. Go to expatguidebooks.com. That's expatguidebooks.com. I would also imagine when someone is looking at this, it doesn't have to be a, a cold turkey type of thing because there is no question that the phones that we're used to and the applications that we're used to are, they've spent a lot of time and effort and energy developing these to be highly addictive. And there are millions upon millions or billions of people who are highly addicted to their phones. What I would suggest is pick up the phone and try it out. And even if you need to keep your other phone, like I've got two phones now, I've got one that's completely privacy phone, which I will use for certain things. And then I have my normal phone, which I'm also very privacy-minded on, but if there are certain applications on there that I need, then I keep them in that, and that gets put aside. And when I use it, I use it, and when I don't, I don't. I don't need to have everything kind of in one place. You know, I can compartmentalize, like the same type of thing. I don't keep anything for my business on my phone. I keep everything completely segregated, completely separate. So I think that having different devices, even if you're not ready to go a hundred percent in today, try it figure out it, how it works. You know, it's the same kind of thing as we always talk about with Bitcoin. You know, I mean, you have to understand the technology. You have to understand how it works. You have to understand how to send and receive and, you know, use different pieces of software, which is going to bring you closer to sovereignty. This is another piece of the puzzle. Yeah, you know, and I just, I just want to say, yeah, that's a very smart strategy. And it's, yeah, there's like a good 30% of our customers who are doing that. You know, they have their traditional phone and then they have their private phone. Yeah, so they use your existing phone for things like social media. It's kind of crazy how powerful some of these social networks have become for staying in touch with people close to you. So it's also funny that a lot of those apps will work on the above phone. There's only a few apps that won't out of the box. And those are things like Uber and Lyft uh, and travel apps and the occasional banking app. So with that in mind, there's always alternate like a workaround to these two. So you can either keep those on your old phone or on the above phone, you can actually create a little jail and you can install Google services in that jail. And that's how you can use those apps too. So you have a ton of flexibility. So like Mikkel said, like, you know, maybe it'll take a little bit of time to get up to speed, but you have complete flexibility. You can use two phones at the same time. And I have complete confidence that you will eventually be able to migrate to the above phone fully. It's just a matter of learning how it works. One more thing I will say, Android's been doing a good job at copying some of the iOS features and gestures. So the user experience has definitely gotten a lot better and is easier to use. And we also are producing regular videos. We have a self-help uh, knowledge base with like uh, little embedded videos in there that teach you how to use the phone. So you have a lot of support. 
Well, for my above phone, I will not be dirtying it with any Google products or big tech products. I think I will go with the suite of applications that come with it. I signed up for the, uh, it's like an annual plan that you guys have for, I mean, all of the different apps that come with it and then your membership for those. So because I wouldn't have even known like, okay, yeah, I use Signal every day and I have, you know, other type of chat apps, but some of the other ones on there, like the maps one, I didn't know about a good maps alternative. And there was other apps on there that I had never heard about. Maybe we can discuss a little bit about the applications and why you chose some of these different ones. Sure. So yeah, I want to talk about two things, which is you mentioned the above privacy suite. So this is kind of what we do on top of the phones. Like I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of help with the, the developers of the operating system. We prepare the phones with that. But what we do is we run a professional set of internet and communication services. So that is called above privacy suite. It's $100 a year. It comes with five different services. It's underpriced right now. It's not going to be that way for long. So you get a private email, a private calendar, a private video conferencing, similar to Zoom like we're using right now, but we've optimized it to leave no trace when you're done with the call. You're getting encrypted chat, voice calls, and video calls. You're getting an internet phone number, which is really awesome. You can make phone calls and text without a SIM card. You can get into that. Lastly, you get your own search engine and you get a VPN. So yeah, so it's like all these different things. It's kind of funny. There's not that many companies that are able to do this at our level at such a small and agile level. You've got much bigger companies that are trying to do these suite of software services, but we've been lucky. We have our own data center. And so we've been able to move a lot faster on these. And the vision is every service you've ever loved from Google or Apple we are going to find a holistic and friendly replacement and we're going to give it to you in an easy experience. So that's the vision. And yeah, so yeah, let's definitely talk about some of these apps on the phone. All right. I want to start with some of the big privacy ones that people already know are like DuckDuckGo or Brave Browser or something like that. How come you're not using those? Why are you using an alternative? I'm going to shatter some, <laughs> shatter some <laughs> reputations today. <laughs> I like teeing up questions I already know the answer to, but sometimes it's just fun. But go ahead. Yeah, so I, I definitely don't mean to do this on purpose, but I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that, unfortunately, sometimes companies do bad things, but then use a lot of their money to make them to brand themselves and to market themselves in a way that seems more holistic. And it takes researchers, people just that are willing to speak up that are standing out against them. So like a good example is DuckDuckGo, which they have a partnership with Microsoft to track their searches. And so, yeah, when you click certain links on DuckDuckGo, it gets redirected to Bing or it gets tracked through Bing. And so they have a partnership there. And that, yeah, I mean, that's just lying. You know, they say that they're a search engine without tracking, but they work with Microsoft, right? So it doesn't make sense. And here's my litmus test. If I see a billboard for an application, I know they're too big. And that's kind of like our thing. That's the difference between us and competitors is that we are already using software that anyone can run themselves. We like to call this approach universal internet utilities, but essentially instead of writing our own software, which one, which is that's very hard, takes time, requires money, which will up the price for you. But it also creates, it forces you to always go through us in order to get your software services. No, so we don't do that. We use protocols over proprietary software. 
And protocols, just that just means that, hey, this is any software service that you at home could run this yourself. And that's the goal one day is to spawn off different inspired companies that will run utilities, like uh, universal internet utilities for their uh, locality or their region. Yeah, so speaking about Brave and DuckDuckGo, Brave is technically really should be celebrated for they've been able to achieve a lot and they do make a good browser. But the problem is, is that they don't block Facebook or Twitter trackers. So that was one stab in the back from their supporters. And then I've also done things like they used to have these the brave attention tokens, right? And they would have content creators with their, their BAT profiles that you could go to. And Brave was creating profiles for creators that hadn't consented. When the creators found out, they removed the profiles, but they pocketed all of the tokens that were generated. So in my mind, that's kind of like theft, right? And there's, there's also this other thing. I think you'll get a kick out of this. If you visited Binance in the Brave browser, Brave counted that to credit itself as a referral. They literally updated the URL in your browser to make it go to Brave's referral link. That what what is that like? No, like if I'm using a web browser, it should do what I tell it to do, not like try and make money for the person who made it. So like going back to it, I have you know we have solutions for all this. So instead of Brave, we recommend using ungoogled Chromium, which is a version of Google Chrome that has all the Google script out and it's not rewriting your links. For Firefox, there is LibreWolf. So we're kind of getting into the the laptop world here, but. Yeah, there's alternatives for everything. Yeah, it's interesting about the Brave and DuckDuckGo because I have been following that. And I've been doing this podcast for seven years. So I'm sure in the past, I spoke super highly of these things, you know, and at that time, that's because it was true at that time. You know, we had lots of experts on, but then piece by piece, things have come out and it's not quite as it appears. So we always are trying to update and, you know, I'm not arrogant that I think that I always get everything 100% right or when things change, we have to change our minds as well. We have to be personal responsibility is super important about these. So it's good to see that there are other alternatives out there that are happening. And I'm sure if down the line, these do not work out to be as exactly as we want, then we need to pivot and we need to move and we need to keep going forwards and we can't get bogged down by these things. But it is a shame to hear about DuckDuckGo. I mean, well, I can, (laughs) it's kind of funny. I kind of got my like start in journalism and just like tech reporting through writing up exposés on a lot of these, yeah, these companies that market themselves a certain way, but are actually like lying. So like I've done exposés on ProtonMail. I've written posts about Brave. Uh, I've also talked about Signal. And, you know, depending on, you know, if you want to talk about any of these. This is going to be fun. All right. Let's 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 get into a couple of these. Sorry to interrupt you. That's there. okay. All right. I figured you'd want to know because you mentioned it. Yeah. Let's let's talk about ProtonMail. Okay. So, yeah. ProtonMail was like the first expose I ever wrote. That was in 2020. So, so there's a few. there's And this is not a problem specific to ProtonMail, but ProtonMail does a disingenuous job of talking about it. And that is encrypted webmail. Be you cannot be certain that your provider can't de- decrypt it. So that was a lot of double negatives. Basically, you can't. No one can say, "Oh, there's no way your emails can be decrypted by us," right? And that's what Proton Mails says. Oh, there's no way we can ever read your emails. That's not true because they're using a website, right? And so you have to know two things here. The way email encryption works, it's all PGP based, right? Uh, which is called 
pretty good privacy, and it's a form of public key encryption. So there's two keys. There's a public key and a private key. When people want to send you mail, they encrypt the mail with your public key. If you want to read your mail, you decrypt it with your private key. All right? Pretty straightforward. So it goes to say, whoever owns the private key can read all your mails. Well, ProtonMail, you don't manage your private keys. You trust ProtonMail. Here you go, ProtonMail. Here's my private key. Please decrypt my mail for me when I log in so I can read it. Right? That's the way it works. And now the problem is... The only thing separating them from your real private key is you typing the password in to their website. That is the thing that decrypts their private key and you're typing it into their website. So it's not like they don't have the capability, they can't easily intercept it or any of their service providers that can catch that in the middle can't intercept it. So you're, they're making claims that are just false. And uh, not just myself, but security researchers and cryptographers like Nadim Kobiesi have written papers on how their encryption scheme is flawed. And this is not just in respect to ProtonMail, but also other encrypted webmail. Uh, things that I've recommended in the past, like C Templar, which is something I recommended and as an internal alternative to ProtonMail, still suffers from that same problem. So I've shifted my viewpoint to being like, okay, encrypted webmail to it's just better to use to encrypt it yourself. And luckily, we can teach you how to do that on the above phone. You can do it with protocol-based email. So like IMAP SMTP, but you can't do it with encrypted webmail. You get locked into ProtonMail server, ProtonMail app, everything from them, right? So that's, that's the first thing. Now the question is, all right, so they have the capability to do it. I think I've made a good argument for that. One, would they actually do it? Well, if you follow the money, which I like to do, I think this goes into it. It's very hard to prove like a company behind the scenes is actually tracking you, but just look at the money. And so when ProtonMail first started out, they were supposed to be completely crowdfunded and they made all these promises and they raised money. I think it was like three to $500,000, something like that, something smallish. And then within the next nine months to a year, they got funding from Charles Rivers Ventures, right? And Charles Rivers Ventures is a venture capitalist firm in the United States. And if you look at the other types of projects or funding, it's pretty messed up. They're funding Israeli tech startups that are uh, doing simulations of buses driving into people. There's funding data surveillance companies. So it just, it kind of, if birds of the feather flock together, yeah. So why did ProtonMail lie to its supporters? I don't know. They've also done different things like uh, retribution hacking. They, uh, a DDoS, which is illegal, by the way, I don't know how they're getting away with it, but they mistakenly thought this one person was DDoSing their servers. So they DDoSed him back and they bragged about it on Twitter, which was just crazy to me. So, you know, this is the energetics of, of the company we go to. And yeah, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> They've done so much stuff. So I'll stop yapping about ProtonMail. No, it's interesting. I mean, it's fascinating because you have these companies and brands that you think are a certain way, you know, and I'm sure for a lot of people, especially the ProtonMail, because I know like it's got to be a third of my email newsletter goes to ProtonMail accounts. Like I've got to, I, I must have the highest concentration of subscribers with at ProtonMail or at, you know, at their short form one, what is it, PM or something as anywhere, anyone in the world. So I hope that this doesn't shatter everybody's ideas too much. I'll just finish that up by saying, even though I'm like, I'm dragging them through the mud, as long as you're not trying to like raise an army or something, 
it doesn't matter. Like, you, you know, you do <laughs> just don't think that you're hundred percent private. Well, email is not a private mode of communication anyways, but uh, just don't think your service provider will be your savior. It's you're only going to have protection if you encrypt it yourself. So don't trust other people to do it. Um, everything that we offer with the above phone, including our email service, you can encrypt that yourself. This is how email was traditionally done before we got into the age of webmail, by the way. Kind of just going, we're taking away features on purpose for some reason. But there's that. Our encrypted chat, that works on a key on your phone. So that's automatically generated. That's not sent to our servers. So only you can actually see what you're seeing. And this can be validated because you can run all the software yourself. See the difference? ProtonMail, you can't run ProtonMail yourself. All the software run for above privacy suite, you can do it for yourself. So, you know, we just got to decentralize all of this. No, it's very, very interesting. And it's one of those things that as you start learning about these things and I don't know a better analogy, but flexing these muscles of, you know, learning the different types of softwares and putting things together and piece by piece, it does make more sense. I mean, as at the very beginning of this conversation, I fully admitted I am not a tech developer or anything. That is not my speciality. Okay, I am very good with technology as a user of it, but I do rely on you know really smart individuals like yourself and have interviewed some really influential people and done a lot of reading about things. But it's fun just to kind of get in there and play around and learn about it. And all right, well, what about this? And what about that? And trying all the different things on the new phone. And it is shocking sometimes things that you have put your faith in, which might be a little bit misplaced. But I think that that is part of being an adult and personal responsibility and admitting even if you get things wrong. Even me, like I am constantly trying to make myself better. I think that if you were so stagnant in your belief pattern that you have always got things correct, that is like, that's hubris between before the big fall. So we have to be very careful about these things. Well, I appreciate that. And I see, I definitely see that in uh, all the work you're doing. We always have to be open to, to being wrong. So, I mean, if you learned something new today, definitely come let us know, you know, maybe, maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you even think, you know, better. And uh, I'm always open to people reaching out and best way to do that. You can hit me up through the above phone site. There's also takebackourtech.org, which is our educational initiative. And there's a contact page there. So trust me, I get <laughs> fanboys from those companies and always happy to hear out new information and, and change my opinion over time. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Let's get into some of the other apps. Just tell me about some of the other cool things like the map features or or different things like that, the calendar features, which are alternatives to the things that we're, we're so used to using on a daily basis. Yeah. So let's talk about, I would say this is almost the number one thing that people use their phones for, and that's directions out there in the world, because we've forgotten how to read maps. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. I can't. I started to, sorry to interrupt. I started traveling over 23 years ago internationally when I was a teenager. When I first started traveling and backpacking around the world, I sent postcards back to my family to, you know, where I was and what was what I was doing. I can't believe I ever traveled without GPS or without a map How system. How did you do it? Like there was no Uber, there was no anything. I mean, I read like public bus tables in different languages trying to figure out like, where the hell am I going and ask for recommendations and directions on the back of a napkin? Like, and then you, yeah, then you hear, so then you hear from some local and they're like, blah, 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 three blocks on the left, blah, 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 blah. watch, go around the tree. 
Yeah. And you actually had to learn the language because there was no Google Translate or anything like that on your phone or like that babblefish type of idea. This is why Mikel is the man, man. He's he's traveled on hard <laughs> mode, man. You should have a course all about that. I know a lot of us visiting Mexico would would definitely appreciate that. And you're right, man. You have to be savvy, but it's kind of funny. Like we've gone so far in the future. Now we're giving away our diligence when it comes to being prepared and knowing about our world. And we're kind of handing it out to Google. And this is a little bit dangerous. So I will share some of the apps on this phone. And Mikhail, would this be a good time to actually bring my phone up on screen? I could I could bring a demo. Yeah, man, let's do it. I think this is cool. So if you guys are watching the video, Ramiro said that he's going to be able to show us a screen share of the actual phone itself. If you guys are just listening to the audio, then you guys can go and check out the videos either at Odyssey or at YouTube. And you guys can search for Ramiro's episode and come and check this out too. All right. I can I can see your screen, my friend. You guys definitely want to watch the video. Just just get, get on uh, Mikkel's <laughs> Odyssey channel. Give some views. So the first thing I'm going to show you is use three alternative mapping apps. I'm going to show you organic maps first. And uh, Mikkel, I think you'll appreciate this because this is an offline based mapping service. You can use it online, but you can also use it offline. So you can see here when I am trying to move into a place, let's see here, I'm kind of in the uh, different parts of the United States. If I want to get close, it prompts me to download the map. Now, imagine you're taking a road trip across the United States or across Latin America. It would prompt you to download all of the local maps ahead of time. And this way you have them on the phone. And then once you've done this, you can actually just turn your cell service off and you can route. You can have an offline only navigation and GPS doesn't require cell service or the internet it uses satellites to do that. Right. So that's why you can do that. But, um, so now you can kind of, we're kind of going backwards to where we have to think about things a little more. So let me just go to a place where maybe I have downloaded the map. Well, and 42 megabytes or, or 48 megabytes. I mean, we're talking, it's not going to overload your phone by downloading the maps in advance by any stretch of the imagination. Definitely not. You know, maybe if you download the whole world, there'd be a problem, but no worries. Yeah. And you can always delete them later. Well, so one thing is there there are... So I've been on a tour of the United States just using this app right here, Organic Maps, uh, with my friend Derek Bros. And it worked because we were just going from city to city. So we'd put the next city in and we'd drive there, no problem. Now, where there are things you have to adapt to are the points of interest. So you couldn't be like, let's say, uh, my favorite local coffee shop. Let me throw that in here. It may show up, but more than likely it's not because, you know, this mapping service is not a point of interest database like Google where they've collected everything. So you have to think a little bit. Yeah, it's not Google Earth where you can go down there and view the street and someone they've drove to a car down and taken pictures of everybody or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe it'll get like that one day, but definitely not today. So you have to think about it ahead of time. Sometimes you even have to look up the address. Like, so you'll look up the address on your search engine of choice or you'll save it as a pin on the map and then you'll zoom in far enough to where you can drop the point. Okay, cool. So like, for instance, can navigate here. So yeah, you know, it's it's pretty, it's your typical navigation app. There's everything that you would expect to you can navigate from one to two points. You could get real-time directions. 
it's pretty great. And just what I would recommend is for people to find the address ahead of time. And if you look up the address, you know, it can sometimes it'll be perfect. Sometimes it'll be a little off. So definitely give yourself enough time above uh, before the trip, like Mikkel used to do as he traveled the world and study the map and know where you're going, right? A little bit of an adjustment, but hey, no one's tracking where you're going. So that's great. The second app I want to show you is called Magic Earth. And this one is online based. So this one, you have to be connected to the internet, but it'll give you an experience that, wow, is which is just like Google Maps. So I'm giving you a demo here of us driving around and what it would actually look like. Let's say you're driving 40 miles through the downtown of whatever this town is. Yeah, you know, this is the experience that you are going to get. And again, if you guys aren't looking at the video, go check out the video it is an experience that is very similar to Google. You know, you're getting the turn directions, you're getting the turn by turn voice navigation. And yeah, so you can use this. This is ready for you to use today that isn't tracking you, that isn't putting you in the sensor vault database. And so, yeah, be adventurous. See where life takes you. Amazing. Those are just the navigation apps. You know, there's alternatives. For well, you said there's three. So you showed us two. Just so I guess my question is not necessarily what is the third one, although I, I am curious, but why three? Why not only have one? Is it just because you want redundancies in place? Yeah, I think so. It depends on the image of the phone. I believe that we do have all three of these maps on our phone now. But it is redundancy. It's also just freedom of choice, especially for something that is important as maps. We wanted you to have multiple different choices and see what works best for you. Now, the funny part is, is organic maps and uh, OSM and Osman maps, it's usually called, both use open street maps under the hood, which is an open source way to have a tile set for the entire earth and also to manage points on it. So they're more similar in nature. There are small differences in terms of the experience. But yeah, all of that is there just for your choice and for your discretion. And then, you know, we're looking at a screen with a bunch of different folders on it. So we try and group them a little bit for you. So it can be confusing. A little bit. Well, I think that's important, especially considering for a lot of people, all of these are going to be brand new apps or at least a large portion of them. So actually knowing, all right, this new icon that I've never seen before all right, this one's for navigation. Okay, this one here is for passwords or whatever it might be. So, yeah, yeah, and I mean, this is definitely can be more open ended. But I'm happy to like share if any and if any of these are interest to you, maybe. And I know, Mikkel, you have your phone in front of you. If something's not, you know, if there's a direction that you want to go, feel free to ask, and I'm happy to go into it. Yeah, let me let me open my phone and then see. Yeah, so if you swipe over to the left, you'll see all the folders. Okay. So we already talked a lot about the navigation. We talked, I'm looking at my phone here in front of me. We talked about the internet and the browsers earlier in our conversation and some of the messaging apps. What about the password protecting application software? Because I know that LastPass just had a huge breach. So that was very shocking kind of to the world. Did you hear about that dude who lost, he said he lost 200 Bitcoin because of that breach? I did not, but that's Jesus. So I think it's I think it, I think it's speculation around it, but he's one of the Bitcoin core devs and LastPass got hacked, left off. It let out one of the passwords to his servers where his private keys were stolen. And yeah, so yeah, apparently he, he lost 200 Bitcoins from that hack. And so the problem is, again, trusting, putting too much trust in the cloud services when you can just have it on your device. So we've got this app called 
key pass DX. And I may not even remember the password to this database, but we recently did a webinar. Oh, you can't even see the screen because it's that secure. We recently... <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we did this webinar on managing your own passwords across your phone and your computer without having any cloud service. So KeyPass is the way to do that. It's really cool. Yeah, you you know, you know it's your password manager. So you save entries in there and you can automatically fill them on your computer and you can do the same on your phone. You kind of have to go over to it and copy and paste it over, but it's local only. The code is completely open source. No data is leaving your device. That's like the baseline for, you know, all, all the apps we want to recommend. And I encourage you to check it out. And we're going to, we have, I'm actually publishing that webinar today. So if you go to learn.abovephone.com by the time this recording comes out, then uh, yeah, you can watch that all for free. We also have this app called Aegis. Do you use two-factor authentication, Mikhail? Yeah, I do. Yes. Of course you do, right? Every Everyone does nowadays. And okay, it's not, yeah, it's, it's again, it's blocking out my screen because it's wanting to protect the page, which is totally cool. So it's like the two-factor authentication apps that we use, um, they're either going through a third party like Authy or Google. And more recently, it was discovered that, you know, they're not actually, they may gather your keys when you're setting up one of these two-factor authentications. But after that, they're not like checking every time you connect. Now, I think there was this other 2FA app, maybe it was Authy that was caught logging every time you used one of your 2FA. So that was a little bit weird. Again, one of those situations where, hey, I don't need a cloud service for this. TOTP, right? Those like uh, the six digit codes that change over time. That's an open protocol. So you don't need like, a, you know, you don't need to connect to anyone to actually have that happen. That can happen on your device. So Aegis is another app that's open source that you can use. So for, just for a second, I think it would be helpful to check out maybe the app store on this phone. Yeah, let's do that next. Okay. So all of these apps on this phone, the majority of them we've gotten from this store called F-Droid. F-Droid is an alternative app store and has a few special features. F-Droid, all of the apps here are free and open source. Now that means the developers have given you a few freedoms. One, you can look at the code. You can study what it does. And more importantly, you can take that code, change it, and redistribute it as long as you give other people the same freedoms. Pretty simple. So people have been replacing a lot of the different apps that they use, right? So there's alternatives to everything pretty much on here. Here's one. Um, I don't know if you run, but I run a little bit. And uh, there's this app called Open Tracks that can log your, you know, your sprinting and your outdoor activities and respects your privacy. It doesn't send anything off the phone. So there's apps like these. Pretty much every app on the above phone is going to be coming from F-Droid. And yeah, there's there's a bunch of awesome stuff on here. So I encourage you to check it out. So that is the free and open source app store. And now you, you might be asking, well, hey, but I have this app I use for work and I'm not sure if I'm going to have it on your phone. Well, you don't have to worry about that so much because... We also have the Aurora store. Now, some of my friends, call them my friends in India, an awesome dev named Rahul in India made this app for everyone. It has tens of thousands of people using it probably every day. 
what it is, is the wrapper over the Google Play Store. So you don't have to download apps directly from Google. You can go through this intermediary. It uh, uses like a shared anonymous Gmail through a bunch of people. We just donated 250 bucks to these guys just because we want to keep the app going. And it's part of our mission of, of giving back. But you can see like you have uh, pretty much all the apps you would expect. So is there an app in particular you would want to use on your above phone, Mikhail? Oh, geez. I don't know. I saw the translate. Anything translate while you're traveling around the world is super, super helpful. Now, that's cool that you mentioned that. Okay. So I've been recommended a few translation apps. Let's see. Deeple. Deeple is a good one from what I've heard. And okay. So, so this is cool. All right. So I want to show you one thing. So um, we're looking at an app on the Google Play Store. Now, it's technically on the Google Play Store, but Aurora Store has created an interface. They've scraped all the information so you don't have to connect directly to Google. That's all great. So the cool part is this is how it's better is that it can, it can actually tell you if there are trackers in the app. So here is an okay. app called Deeple that's been recommended from one of my friends. So you can actually look down here and see that there's no trackers. Now, let's compare that to... Let's compare that to another one. Let's just use a random one because I don't know. Let's use this one. It's a Spanish English translator. And here you can see that there actually are trackers. So if you click into this, you actually get to see what are the different companies that have their software you know, built into this app, right? Okay. So you're getting the ability to make an informed choice about what apps to use. You're getting to detoxify your apps. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so you're actually learning. I mean, I remember when I was in a previous life highly into fitness and then just trying to understand what goes into food and the different ingredients and micro and macro nutrients and everything like that. And then just piece by piece understanding intuitively on these types of things. So it's the same kind of idea. I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but as you start to look at different applications and start to see the tracking and the software that is there, then you are just more conscious about it. You're more aware of 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 what is out there and what's happening when you interact with the internet and these different applications. Most definitely. Yeah, exactly. It is giving you the the knowledge you need. And this phone actually gives you far more tools. So um, let's see if I have a good app to show you here. Let's go do use an app with a lot of permissions. So yeah, so there's one thing in knowing what other third parties are involved uh, in the app. And so of course you're gonna choose you're gonna choose the alternative with the least third parties and the ones that work for you. Which, by the way, I also want to mention too, uh, we're planning to release our own translation app and software. So that's coming soon this year. Cool. So let's use an app like Telegram, which has a lot of permissions. So here we're going into the permissions. We can actually finely tune every single permission it uses. So this one's allowed to play music and audio. It's allowed to see nearby devices. Let's just disable that. So there's uh, things like camera and you can you have complete control over the permissions and how they're used. So you could say to ask every time or to allow only while using the app. This will give you that peace of mind to know that, hey, there's nothing listening to me in the background. There's nothing videotaping me because some of those apps do run in the background and they do have microphone permission. So this is giving you that. And what's more is that this phone actually gives you global kill switches to a lot of these things. So here is airplane mode in the top right that will actually turn off the radio completely. We've tested this both with the network connections and also if it 
uh, gives off any EMF pulses or energy afterwards. So with airplane mode, it completely kills the radio. And I won't flip through it, but I mean, there are little toggles like this one to kill your microphone or to turn off your camera at a global level. Yep. I saw that actually it was one of the first thing I noticed when I got into the phone and I was like, that's rad because so <laughs> with my normal phone, I have like one of the little things for the laptop that you normally put over. I don't know if you can see in the video or not that covers the front one. And I always make sure that I have a phone with a cover so that, you know, when I flip it over, that's not being used on that one. I'm always putting my phone down so that I'm looking at physical barriers. And then my old phone, I made sure to have a 3.5 millimeter jack on it. And then I have this one here, which is called a mic lock, which I've had to use on it that locks the mic. And we've tested it in a few cases and it seems to work quite well. But with yours, everything is built in with a toggle on there so that it's across the board. You can be sure that it's not being used in the background by any of these applications. Yeah, absolutely. Giving you more, yeah, more control that way and more choice. And, you know, it's it's fun to to have options, whether to use a physical blocking if you want to be super sure. But this, yeah, we've tested the microphone and camera locking. And there's also an indicator when either of those are in use, you'll see a little green thing on the top right. So um, yeah, just giving you more visibility into what your phone is doing. I think that's always helpful. Well, it's cool to see the phone now as well. So everybody gets a chance to look at it because it's a normal phone. Like it, Like we talk about giving up things, but I mean, like you are still using a phone. It's just slightly different applications, and but the interface is still very streamlined. It's still the same type of movements. It's still the same type of everything, you know? We've considered going back to like analog phones and dumb phones and things like that. And I have my own opinions on that. Yeah, it's always funny. Oh, <laughs> I bought a couple of them because I, you know, I've been looking into this for years. So we've got a couple of those laying around nice. the house as well, but I've just not found a good solution until today, yeah. you know, so I'm super pumped about the work that you're doing. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. And, you know, I feel like technology has helped us, right? It's helped our movement, especially now because we're we're having to keep up with each other wherever we are in whatever country because we want to see the conditions. So technology has never been more important. And so I would opt for having a phone that can do more, can manage your crypto. You can do video calls on it. You know, you can do all these different things than, you know, a phone. Maybe that's just for like emergency calls. So this I think this has a place and a solution for anyone who's privacy conscious. And it also is would be a really good companion because it gives you ability to bring in new media and actually like own it. So you can follow your favorite podcast. I actually think let me see if I can find the expat money podcast here. So this is an app called Tenopod. I think I have your podcast added on to my personal phone. I haven't done it on this demo phone, but see, look at that. You can use this open podcasting app to follow your favorite content creators. A lot of people like uh, independent media like Mikkel does. So you can get all of Mikkel's episodes. You can download them to your phone. And then you can listen to those like on a road trip. So this is what I do. You know, I'm constantly using my phone as a way to gather more information and knowledge. And yeah, you have that ability too. So amazing. I love that. That's fantastic. Super cool, man. I'm I'm really pumped up about all of this. I'm really pumped up to to get to know you and to, you know, have a chance to learn from you and all the important work that you're doing and share it with my audience. Thank you so much for being able to show us the demo. Let's plug that URL one more time. 
for people who are interested in picking up an above phone themselves. And the coupon code that you gave us is expat privacy, all one word, expat privacy. And you're going to get $50 off if you want to pick up one of these phones for yourself. Cool. Yeah. So you can go to abovephone.com. All the phones are available now. We ship to the United States, Canada, even Mexico. We ship to the EU. We ship to Australia. So basically ask us and we'll we'll let you know. We try and ship everywhere. But yeah, I'll just pitch a few different products. And actually, maybe I can... Um, let me see if I can share my screens. To I got the the big boy. I got... The most expensive one I could find on there. I thought, you know what? If I'm going to do this, let's go all in. So it was probably that very first one. This, can you make the screen a little bit yes, bigger so we can see or or zoom in on the... There we go. Yes. Mikhail goes for the best of the best, which I expect nothing less from him. Always. Always, right? If I'm going to support, then I might as well support all in, you know? We really appreciate that, man. We're looking forward to just being back, sharing new things we learn and getting like queries from your community too, because we always get surprised from the things that people need their phone for, especially traveling. So uh, when you end up on the phone page, you have a few choices. You can choose between how much storage you need and you have the choice of operating system. For now, everyone, I recommend you choose Graphene OS. And we also have essentials. And this is one thing I think we do better than traditional phone providers. You can get your case. You can get additional storage out of the box. If you take a lot of phone calls with your phone, you might get the audio adapter. And then also we have an ethernet adapter that will allow you to use your phone without any EMF at all, which is cool. pretty incredible. You throw the phone in airplane mode and uh, you plug an ethernet cord in, and then you can take a phone call and it's not blasting EMF in your face. And, you know, we've tested this as well. I definitely have some private clients who will be very, very interested in that. I have some Quebecois clients who are very sensitive to this. So I'm going to make a personal recommendation for them for, for this phone because I think they'll enjoy this. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll send you an Ethernet adapter, Mikhail. And yeah, we'll see. Nice. Definitely happy that. Oh, by the way, for the shipping, what I did was because they could not deliver to Panama, I used a freight forwarder, had it shipped to Florida. And then from Florida, it got forwarded down to me here in Panama, like two days later, three days later. So it was super easy. So for all my clients who are living in Latin America, probably a freight forwarder is an easy way to go forwards with this. Yeah, most definitely. We get a lot of, a lot of our shipments through freight forwarding. If we can't get it to you any other way. And yeah, sh shipping, you know, so we have a few new products, right? So there's this additional support. So like I mentioned earlier, you get a one hour to 30 minute free call with your phone. So that's just basic support. You get access to our knowledge base, 24 seven email and chat support. And then we offer this two hour migration session as well. So if you think you need extra help, you, you know, you're just maybe you're just, you need extra help. You need some hand holding. We'll hang out with you for two hours on a live call. We'll, you know, you'll share your screen with us. We'll get all the information. And then we just launched this new product. This is a, a SIM card. It's an anonymous SIM card, which means you don't need to give us your information. It's a data-only SIM card, which means it doesn't have a phone number baked into the SIM card, but it does allow you to connect to the internet. Currently, this thing works for uh, the US and Canada, and it's pay-as-you-go. So it comes with five gigabytes of data, and you can refill it. Hopefully by the time uh, we people see this recording, we're going to have more SIMs in stock. This is something we just newly launched. And lastly, the above privacy services, the above privacy suite, like I mentioned earlier. So all of these things, you can really see we're trying to build a whole ecosystem. 
And if you guys feel like anything was left out of this interview, there's definitely more we can talk about. Also, check out learn.abovephone.com. Our first three webinars have been put up. We'll have another one coming in the next week. And if you look at the Above the Rules webinar, that'll go into everything the phone can do and answer a lot of your questions. So, yeah, definitely check that out. And, yeah, thanks so much. Brilliant. I love it. As I said before, super big fan of your work. I really believe in this and I'm so grateful to have you on the show and so grateful for you taking the time out of your day to explain this to everybody and give a demo on it and kind of walk us through the apps and some of the things, you know, for us who are not quite at that same technology level, you know, this is a very easy thing to actually get into and piece by piece, you can build up your knowledge base. So if my audience want to get a hold of you, if they want to find out more about Above Phone, where can we send them? Sure. So you can go to abovephone.com and there's a should be a button or there should be a contact button on the top there. You can use that or you can join me on Telegram and my Telegram channel is Take Back Our Tech. You'll, you can find me speaking on that and you can direct message me through there. Those are two good ways to contact us. And yeah, we'll also send you some links. So in case people want to get plugged into other stuff. Amazing. And the coupon code was expat privacy at checkout. If you guys want to pick up a phone, same as me, and then let me know how it is. You know, I'm, I'm very curious what you guys think, how your experience was. If you like this, maybe we'll get Ramiro back on the show at some point to explore some more of these types of things. Anyways, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Appreciate you, Mikhail. Peace out, everyone. Schooling for international families has always been a massive problem in the expat space. Families move around, change countries, and the kids never get to build solid relationships. Sometimes families even end up having to head home because there is not a viable option for education. Together with my business partner, Michael Strong, we have a goal to change this. At expatschool.io, we have world-class programs for children between the ages of 8 and 19. Our virtual school is a thriving community of happy, bright, and adventurous children. Go to expatschool.io to learn more about our program for your children or grandchildren. That's expatschool.io. Expatschool.io. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region.
But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.